We have been in a series on the Holy Ghost, and I think now that we are about six weeks into it, we just, we're just going to wrap up on part two today. <laughs> because God just keeps, he keeps showing me things, you know. He keeps bringing things to my remembrance. And uh, before, we, before we go any further, I've got this piece of paper laying on, on the desk, or this platform here, I mean, uh, my podium thing. And, um, I wrote down some notes. I was with a guy named Brian Jarrett. He pastors a large Pentecostal church in uh, Dallas, Texas. And uh, he just says a lot of really good things about the Holy Spirit. You know, what have we, what have we learned? We have learned that nowhere in the Word of God. There's not even a hint or a clue in the Word of God that says you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost overflowing and praying tongues to go to heaven, right? All right, so... No one, no one in this church is going to hold a gun over your head and tell you, you need, to, you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to pray in tongues. You're not going to heaven because it's not in the Word. Matter of fact, that's dangerous, right? But here, you've got you've to hear, I'm going to uncover this. I haven't hidden it, but I haven't said it outright either. I'm going to say it today. My goal is that when we're finished teaching on the Holy Spirit and His gifts, that you'll want, you want, you want the Holy Ghost to do any and everything in your life that he wants to do. Why? Because uh, Brian Jarrett asked a question. Because I, I understood what he was saying is the same thing I've been telling you for six weeks now, that you don't have to be you know, spirit, filled with the Spirit to overflowing, praying in tongues to go to heaven. But here's what he asked. He said, if that's the case, and it is the case, you're not going to find it in the Word of God. That's why every church out there isn't a Pentecostal church. Am I, am I hitting that nail straight? Are you copying that with me? Are you following with me on that? He said, so let me ask you a question. Do you feel personally that it's beneficial to be a spirit-filled uh, spiritual leader in this country? And, and the answer is unequivocally yes. It's an advantage. It's an advantage to hear the voice of God, to get that flash vision from the Lord, from the Holy Ghost, where he shows you something. And, and never forget where it came from, because what God says to us, whether it's in a vision, or whether it's in a dream, or whether it just appears on the inside of us, it's usually always extremely smart, and a lot more intelligent than you. Amen? And we should always give credit where credit is due. It's the Holy Ghost and His gifts. It's not my gifts. All right, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read verses 7 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So in other words, God speaks to you for the good of the church, for the good of the body. Amen. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I cannot tell you how many times I've been stupid enough to say to my wife, hey, listen to this. Uh, you know, this, this just, I, 
it came up on the inside of me. I know it had to come from God because it's smart stuff. It's, it's good stuff. Tell my wife so that when it happened or it came up, she could tell me whether I said that or not, right? You know, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you God's not speaking to you when he's speaking to you. Amen? And so, um, you know that one minute you're sitting there and the next second there's something in you that wasn't there before and it's real intelligence, real smart. It's something you couldn't know unless the Holy Spirit told you. You get my drift? Give God credit for it where it's due. The Holy Spirit used you. I said to Ruthie, stupid enough to say to her, man, I wish I could get the Holy Ghost to do that all the time, but he just doesn't do it all the time. Well, what am I saying? I'm just saying God does it scripturally. God does it according to his word. In 1 in Corinthians chapter 12, um, in verse 11, all these empowered by one and the same Spirit who points to each one individually as he wills. Listen to me carefully when I tell you this. You need to trust your theology, not your experience. I know that sounds difficult. Say, well, if it happened to me, it had to be real. Listen to me. Even above your experience, trust the theology of the truth. Amen? I've heard people stand in pulpits in this country and tell people, what's your gift? What gift of the Holy Spirit did God give you? Mm, that's not exactly what I just read in the Word. The Holy Spirit uses individuals as He wills. And, and, and if you claim that gift, I don't know where in the Bible you get that from. If you want to claim it, claim it. I mean, but I don't know where you get it from. We should be open to the Holy Spirit using us in any of the gifts that he wants to use us in. Amen? Don't limit God to one or two gifts. Amen? Now, let's just say you're sitting out there today and you're thinking to yourself, well, God is never, the Holy Spirit in his gifts has never used me uh, like that before. Well, I, I want you to understand what I'm about to say. Can you live your whole life and it never happened to you? The answer is absolutely yes. Does it mean that God loves you any less than any brother or sister else? No, it does not. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and my sins and everybody's sins in this room and all the sin of the world. Amen? So, what I try to tell people is what it does about the gifts of the Spirit when the Holy Ghost uses you, it just makes the gifts that much more special and that much more precious, and it does not elevate you in the kingdom of God. Why? It's a sign to the unbeliever. Over and over and over again. Why? Why? Because the heart of God is all about saving the lost. Amen? You know, you, you look at the early church. And how Peter would be walking around. And man, there were so many sick people and so many people with needs. Reached the point where the anointing was so heavy on Peter, if his shadow fell on some. You know? And I'm going to tell you, that one man that was rich, and, and, and they, they cast demons out of the girl. He said, hey, how much money can I give you to be able to do that? And, um, and the apostles pointed out his sin. Y'all, you're still in the gall of bitterness jealousy because you thought you could buy the gift of God but I'm telling you that's human nature that's the prevalent type of people 
that go after the gifts for that reason. So quit worrying. Quit worrying about, you know what, just always remember this. As God uses you, it's Him. You can't do anything outside of Him. You can't do anything outside of Him that affects eternity in a positive manner. So those are the warnings we've been giving away. Amen? All right, now, let me digress just a little bit. I want to cheat here a little bit. I want to give you the answers to these questions. First of all, <clears throat> there's no extra credit for spitting out the answer, but if you know the answer, say it. To whom was the epistle of 1 Corinthians written? Somebody tell me. An entire church. I read this guy one time. He believed it was written to one person, a letter. Written to one person. I said, what letter are you reading, fella? It was inspired by God for the entire church back then and today. Amen? Why was Paul telling the entire church to covet or desire spiritual gifts? Somebody tell me. It's, what's that? Because as an entire body of believers uh, covets them, the Holy Spirit will divide the gifts of the Spirit to every man severally as he wills, right? But we should desire them. That's a bad word, covet. Desire them? That's a good word. You should desire the gifts of the Spirit. You should be open to them. The, the reason why we don't see them widespread today is very few people are equipped right now. to use. First of all, they don't understand them. They don't know what, what God's doing, you know. And, and many people, even when the voice of God is speaking, they just, they're deaf. They don't hear it. They don't hear it. God fix us. God heal us. Amen. Number three, what does the Holy Spirit operate in line with? Short answer is what? The Word of God. I don't care what's being said, what's being done. If it doesn't line up with the Word, treat it suspect. Amen? All right. Uh, let's see. How will the Word of Knowledge sometimes be manifest? I, I got a long answer for this. The Word of Knowledge will sometimes manifest through a vision, through a dream, through a message from an angel, or through the gift of prophecy. The Word of Knowledge can also be manifested through interpretation of tongues. I've seen messages come one person give a message in tongues and another person give an interpretation and in the interpretation included a word of knowledge and once again i'll get to that i'm sorry to jump ahead uh list uh two old testament examples of how the gift of the word of knowledge was manifested think about that and remember this what have i told you when i wanted to learn about the gifts of the spirit of god what in the Old Testament, the New Testament is contained. In the New Testament, the Old Testament is explained. I learned as much about the gifts of the Spirit of God in the Old Testament as I did in the New Testament. Right? Isn't that amazing? The only gift of the Spirit that wasn't manifested in the Old Testament was what? Tongues. That's it. That I, I, I can find every other gift of the Spirit manifest in the Old Testament. And before we finish, we're, we're going to look at all of them. going to take a while, isn't it? So he lists two Old Testament examples of how the gift of the Word of Knowledge was manifested. Anybody want to take a shot at that? Saul's donkeys and what else? Samuel, regarding Saul's hiding place, was revealed by God. Saul hid and instead of forming search parties and giving everybody instructions on how to go search and find and all that, they got together, they prayed, and God told him where the man was hiding. It says in the Bible, in the stuff. Saul was hiding in the stuff. Must have been a whole bunch of it, all right? 
All right. Now you say, well, wait a minute, Brother Dennis, that was Samuel. He was this great prophet in the Old Testament. What, folks, I'm telling you, he was a forerunner being used by God, by the Holy Spirit, to show us how it works in the day and age in which we live. All right? Don't put Samuel on such a pedestal that you miss that truth. All right? So, you had Samuel regarding Saul's donkeys because he told him, quit worrying about the donkeys. We know where the donkeys are. da 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 All right, number six, list two examples of a word of knowledge in the New Testament. Um, in dealing with the woman at the well in Samaria, recorded in John chapter 4, Jesus operated in a word of knowledge to convince a sinner of the need of a Savior. Amen? You know, he was sly about that. He was. He, one of the, to me, people think I'm crazy, but it's one of the funniest passages of Scripture in the Bible. He said, why don't you go get your husband and bring him here? I want to meet him. She goes, oh, well, I'm, I'm not married. He said, I love it in the King James Version. Thou hast well said. <laughs> I love that. I love that, right? I love that, right? And, and he tells her, not only uh, are you not married, but you've been married this many times, and the man you're with now is not your husband, right? And so, and, and all of a sudden, she had a giant leap in IQ. I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now, to me, that is hilarious. You know how her IQ jumped once Jesus revealed something to her. That, that was a word of knowledge. Why? It, it, it was a piece of the knowledge of God given by the Holy Ghost, even to Jesus. Jesus operated in the gifts of the Spirit in ways that would give us examples. Did he not say, uh, these things you'll do after I'm gone, and greater will you do? How do you think you're going to get away with that? How do you think you're going to get to do that? If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost overflowing and very sensitive to what the Holy Ghost is saying to you. How are you going to do that? And how are you going to know where to point when it happens? Amen? All right, so you got the woman at the well. In Acts chapter 5, we read that Ananias and Sapphira had lied to the church and to the Holy Ghost, and they dropped dead. That's the freakiest story in the Bible to me because they... Because you know what? People find it so easy to lie. It, it's one of the easiest things for a human being, you know, what, for a child to do. For a child to lie, just like they breathe. You know, I, I don't know. I didn't do it. I don't know. Um, I forget. That, that's their favorite, right? Little Aaron, little Aaron, my son, give you an example. Little Aaron. He's just a little guy. Ruthie and Leah, um, they're across town. There's no, there's no Nathan then, right? I'm supposed to meet him at a parade, but Nathan, or I picked Aaron up at the nursery, and he's, he's just dirty. So I turned the water on. We had two doors to the bathroom. You could run through there, and I had water going in the tub. And I'm stripping clothes off my little boy, and I go through the bathroom, and I set my little boy down in that tub, and as I exit that room, I hear him say these words, G.D., this water's cold. He's about yay tall. I stopped dead in my tracks because I knew this is one of those moments, right? You got to stop. Now, I lean back into the bathroom and I look down at that little guy in that tub and he's looking up at that door. Why? Because he wants to know. He wants to know, I've done something here that's different. How is daddy going to react, right? So I grab a towel and I wrap it around my little boy 
And I sat down at the edge of the tub and I put my little boy in my lap and I say, son, what did you say? He said, I forget. I said, son, I'm going to give you three swats. Not because of what you said, but because you lied about it. And that little boy looked at me stone cold and he said, all right, daddy, I said, GD, this water's cold. Right? <laughs> now, I, I got to be honest with you, it's serious, right? That's serious. You want to stop that right there in that little, little boy's life, right? But I, I, God help me, I wanted to bust out laughing. I couldn't help it. He was going to get disciplined, right? You know your pastor, right? Uh, my, my boy don't talk like that today. And, and I'm telling you, it was dealt with that day by that tub side, right? I reached down there. I said, sure enough, it's cold. But it ain't that cold. <laughs> right? But it isn't just my little boy lying. Lying is strapped to the heart of a human being if they don't let God change them. Amen? And, and you know what? Sometimes we think it's, it's okay to lie to the Holy Ghost because of the grace of God. Let me tell you what. Jesus himself said, you can say all manner of whatever you want to the Father and he'll forgive you. You can say whatever you want about me and I'll forgive you. But watch what you say about the Holy Spirit. Watch what you say about the Holy Ghost. I thought to myself, why? Why? And the only answer I got, the only answer that came to me is that, you know, you know how people will badmouth the Holy Spirit? They'll badmouth bad Pentecostals. They'll badmouth the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They'll make fun of tongues and things like that. You know what you're messing with there? The very power by which God uses to draw you to him. So watch what you say about him. Amen? Watch what you say about him. All right? Let's, let's take, we've got to get that all serious down in our hearts and minds or we'll never take a step forward in being used by God in his gifts. Because God don't play. The Holy Ghost doesn't play. All right? All right, God help us all. Amen? What is uh, one of the greatest areas where the word of knowledge can be used? And listen to this. I'm going to answer this question for you because we never got to it, but then I'm going to give you the answer, and I'm going to say some things um, that are controversial. Brace yourself, all right? The last question is, what is one of the greatest areas where the word of knowledge can be used? In effectual prayer. I'm going to say it again. What is one of the greatest areas where word of knowledge can be used? In effectual prayer, either for God's servants in distress or for those in need of spiritual help. All right. See, see, we can say, I, 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 I'm not interested in being filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not interested in praying in tongues. You're still going to heaven. No one, no one should ever belittle. You're going to heaven. If you're a child of God, the same Holy Ghost that entered into you um, when you got saved, that's the same Holy Ghost that can come to you again and fill you to overflowing. But you got the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right, now, so why is that important? Why would we not want an aid to prayer for God to answer our prayers? Why wouldn't we want it? All right, now, get ready. Remember that pastor I told you that I got the copy of the journals? Listen to this. This pastor had many experiences in his own ministry in which the Lord used him in a word of knowledge. I'm just reading it word for word. A couple of weeks after he was baptized in the Holy Ghost, the gift of word of knowledge began to operate through him. 
The first manifestation occurred when he was dismissing a service one night. He closed his eyes to offer the benediction as he did. A quick vision appeared to him. He saw a person in his congregation he knew. Okay, we read that one, didn't we? We read that one. All right, I don't want to repeat it, but um, God did a great thing in a girl's life. Just if you weren't here, uh, God showed him a vision of a young girl, a young convert, that the night before got in trouble at a party. No one here has ever done that before, right? She's sitting in the church. She's under conviction. But worse than that, she's under condemnation. So where's that coming from? Conviction is godly. Condemnation is deadly. All right? The liar was telling her, you're too filthy. You're, you're not saved. You're going to hell. And she made up her mind, when this service is over, I'm leaving and I'm never coming back. And God told that pastor that. And so in a way that she would not be embarrassed, or, but he, ta- he spoke about the difference between condemnation and conviction, and she came forward, she got saved, or she got filled with the Holy Ghost. She came forward and got filled with the Holy Ghost, all right? So she got weaponized against what the devil would try to do to her. You understand what I'm saying? All right, let's see here. Um, I want to get to... All right, the word of knowledge as an aid to prayer. All right, listen carefully. One of the greatest areas where the word of knowledge can be used is in a mighty aid and effectual prayer, either for God's servants in distress or for those in need of spiritual help. This minister I told you about and his wife, uh, they took a teenager into their home. You read, we read that story, didn't we? Let's go here. Okay, here we go. Mentally ill. Here's where it gets tricky. Many times an evil spirit is involved in cases of mental illness, although this is not always true. Do you understand that? Not everybody who's mentally ill has a demonic problem. All right? A person can be sick mentally just as they can be sick physically. Not every time a person has a stomach ache, for example, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean an evil spirit is oppressing him or that a demon is present in their body. There could be any number of natural reasons why a particular physical ailment exists. But on the other hand, an evil spirit could also be present and could be present working to enforce the sickness or disease. Can we agree on that? Well, the same is true of mental illness. The first experience this preacher ever had along this line occurred while he and his wife were pastoring in Texas. wonder why Texas always comes up. A woman brought her sister home on furlough from a mental asylum. The doctor had told the woman that her sister would never be right in her mind and that she would always need institutional care. This mentally ill woman had been violently insane. She had tried to kill herself and others, and for more than two years she had been locked away in a padded cell. As a result of having no exposure to sunshine and very little exercise, her general health had deteriorated. The doctor said they didn't believe she would ever be violent again, but that she would always need institutional care. How many of you know sometimes the experts are all wrong? They allowed her sister to take her home on a two-week furlough so she could walk in the sunshine and get some exercise. However, if the sunshine, exercise, and change of environment didn't improve her health, the doctor said she wouldn't live much longer. She had wasted away to almost nothing. Her sister brought her over to the parsonage, and as we were praying, the Spirit of God told him to go and stand in front of her and say these words, Come out, you unclean spirit, in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't care. You you don't have to shout it. You don't have to lean in. You understand what I'm saying? If the Holy Spirit says, say these words, say these words. Amen? 
He said that the Holy Spirit told him to say these words. Come out, you unclean spirit, in the name of Jesus. He hadn't done anything like that before in his life. For several years, uh, he had been acquainted with this area of the supernatural and praying for folks for healing. But operating in the gifts of the Spirit in this area was new to him, and he was reluctant. Can you understand that? Right? He wanted to be sure that the Lord was talking to him, and yet he sensed he was. After some persuasion, he stood in front of the woman and said, Come out, you unclean spirit, in the name of Jesus. You see, it was revealed to him that her trouble was caused by an unclean spirit. Now look, that's it, his, his account, right? This revelation came by word of knowledge, not the discerning of spirits, and we'll explain why later. Because he didn't see any spirit. We'll discuss that gift of discerning later, all right? But the Holy Spirit did give him knowledge of the presence of an evil spirit causing the insanity. It, how many of you know if God says it is true? Amen. No matter how the presence of an evil spirit is revealed in another person, it still takes faith to deal with it. And many times the gift of faith will go into operation. How many times have I told you that we separate out the gifts of the spirit, even though it does it in the word even, so that we can give definition to those gifts? So that you can understand how those individual gifts work, and then you can understand how several of them can overlap and be used at the same time. Pastors aren't teaching this in this country today. They're not. And I don't know why not. But it ain't going to stop me. Amen? It's not going to stop me. Uh, but the Holy Spirit gave him knowledge of the presence of an evil spirit causing the insanity. No matter how the presence of an evil spirit is revealed to another person, it still takes faith to deal with it. And many times the gift of faith will be in operation. For instance, when he said, Come out, you unclean spirit, in the name of Jesus, there was no visible manifestation. And let me tell you, I'm going to put my finger here because I don't want to lose this. When it comes time for people that want to come down and get filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, you're going to witness some people you, that look like they got hit by a bolt of lightning. They may even get knocked down, and their hands will go up, and they start praying in tongues. But listen to me. That usually messes it up for the other 99% to get it very quietly. Do you hear what I'm saying? My wife can tell you when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, um, we were dating. I, I told her, I'm going home. I'm going to eat something. Then I'm going to my room. And what did I say? I'm going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Right? I'm going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. So I went home and I'm, I'm pondering all this. Did, did you really say that, Lord? I went home and while I pondered it, I'm, I'm a teenager. I ate a whole pack of hot dogs. Right? <laughs> I said a whole pack of hot dogs while I pondered. Right? I might have only eaten two or three, but I had some things to think about. Right? But then I went to my room knelt by my bed, asked for the Holy Ghost, got the Holy Ghost, prayed in tongues for a while, and then I laid myself down and went to sleep. Generally, getting filled with the Holy Ghost overflowing is complicated by us. All right? It's not, you know, but don't, don't listen to that lying devil come to you and tell you all kinds of junk about you. You just ain't worthy. How do we get anything we ever get from God? We get it by faith. Amen. Anything outside of that is a sovereign act of God. And God would rather you exercise faith than him exercise his sovereignty alone. Listen to me. Why? Because you've got to talk to him. 
to exercise your faith. And what have I told you? He loves to hear your voice. He loves to hear you talk to Him. Amen? He loves to hear you talk to Him, right? All right. For instance, when he said, Come out, you unclean spirit, in the name of Jesus, there was no visible manifestation. As far as he could see, there was no change in the way the woman looked or behaved. But he obeyed God, right? Her eyes didn't look any different. She was just as she had been. Yet he knew that the command of faith was spoken and the woman was delivered. Forty-eight hours later, this woman's sister called, saying, Brother, pray. My sister is having a terrible attack like she did when she first lost her mind. You wouldn't say, Oh, no. Listen to what he said. That news did not bother me a bit because on the inside of me there was a supernatural faith or knowing that sustained me which was beyond me from a natural standpoint. It was more than ordinary faith. It was a gift of faith and operation. Casually I said to her, don't worry. I spoke the word of faith and it has to be the devil knows he has to go. Have you ever read in the Bible where Jesus told an evil spirit to leave a person and sometimes before the evil spirit would leave, he would throw the person down and tear them? It's in the Word, right? Mark chapter 1, verse 26. The devil knows he has to go. When that attack is over, that evil spirit will, will be gone and your sister will never have another attack. She will be all right. Sure enough, when that attack was over, that woman's mind was clear. They had to take her back to the institution because she was still a ward of the asylum, but the psychologist examined her and dismissed her. He pronounced her well. That was many years ago, and we had contact with her after that, and she was still well. This was a manifestation of the word of knowledge and the gift of faith operating together to set this woman free. Always remember the revelation that the word of knowledge brings is never future tense. It's present or past tense. By the manifestation of the gift of the word of knowledge, the church can be purified, the distressed comforted, the saints gladdened, lost property recovered, the enemy's plans defeated, and the Lord Jesus Christ glorified. Can you say amen? Mm, wow. Well, praise God. It's already, the hour's getting late. What did I tell you? We'll stop. When, when we get there, we stop. Amen? I don't want to overfeed you. All right? I don't want to overfeed you. I mean, I, I've learned the hard way. Man, when, in my youth, I'd go for an hour. Wear the saints out. I just wear the saints out. You know what we ought to do today? Just close out the service. I mean, we're learning about something. I want to ask the worship team to join me here. We're going to. We're going to worship God before we leave. That's how we're going to leave out the service today. You know, we're, how much closer are we today to the pandemic being gone? It's over soon, right? And I'm going to tell you, when that day comes, and, and you know what? God's going to honor the fact that we, we've done what we were supposed to do, and didn't God protect us and watch over us and keep us? Amen? And he's doing that, right? But listen, listen, we're, we're going to close out our services when this thing's over. It's going to be around these altars. And if you don't want altar time or you don't need it, then you can fellowship out there in the lobby and let God finish doing what he's doing here around the altars, right? What we're going to do today is we're just going to thank God for his word. We're going to thank God for what we've heard. Are we learning anything about the Holy Ghost? All right. You know, this is exciting to me as your pastor, you know, because for a long time I wanted to teach and God said, wait, wait, wait. I'd go and he'd say, wait, wait, I'll tell you when. 
Well, now's the time. Amen? You say, um, there was a phrase that was used by uh, this man, Brian. Um, Brian Jared, I think his name is. He told me this. He said, he told this to everybody in the building. If you want to learn the Bible, you really want to learn the Bible. He said, I don't even know if I can fully explain this to you, but you, you need to write this down. He said, read the Bible through the lens of the cross. Read the Bible through the lens of the cross and you'll see things differently than you've ever seen them before. I remember a day when it used to amaze me that you could learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Does that surprise you? It surprised me. It was surprising to me. But now, it just I'm at home. I'm at home that way. You know, I've got to tell you one more thing. He reminded me, in this country, when the British were kicked out of this country and we achieved independence, there was a phrase that the colonies loved to use and our newborn country loved to use. And the phrase was, um, let's see if I can write it down. Uh, we serve no sovereign here. We serve no sovereign here. And it was posted in a place where visitors from Britain could see it when they, when they came into our country. And it was a slap in the face of the Brits because we were saying, thumbing our nose at them, we don't serve your king, right? And we didn't, right? Now, there, there's, I got to tell you, that doesn't stiffen my spine with a little touch of pride in our country. We served no sovereign here until the Lord spoke to me and said that we carried it too far in this country. America proudly serves no sovereign here. Not even God. And God created us to serve Him. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this real quick, and we're just going to worship God. Someone's got to hear this, and maybe i got to hear it again. When the children of Israel came to the prophet and said, tell God we want a king. Oh, yeah. I have learned the hard way that the words, give us a king. And that's not what upset God. That's not what upset Him. But I'll tell you this. God built man with a desire for something to rule in his life. Yeah. Yeah. And if we don't recognize that as him, yeah. other things are going to rule. Uh, okay. uh. We're going to serve a king. That's right. It might be a king of our own making, but we're going to serve a king. That's right? right? <laughs> That's why I look around this room and I rejoice that there are people in this room that have chosen to make God that king. Jesus Christ, that king. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And we can either choose today to treat Jesus like a king or just a consultant. God help us. He's not to be treated like a consultant. When the children of Israel asked for a king, it's the way they asked and the reason why they wanted him. That was what upset God. They were already being led by a king. Yeah. They were being led by the king. Yes. And they wanted a lesser king to take his place. That's what upset God. And, and we can throw rocks at Israel all day long, but the modern man 
men and women in this world today do it every day. God forgive us. God help us. Amen. Stand with me and, and let's worship God for a little bit here before we get out of this place.